You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Matthew chapter 12, and uh, we're going to be looking at the verses from 1 through 21. I know it's a, it's a longer text, but once you get there, if you all could stand for the reading of God's word, we're reading Matthew chapter 12, 1 through 21. And at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were in hunger, and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God, and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if he had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? That they might accuse him. And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you? that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole, like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Esaias the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, Neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory, and in his name shall Gentiles trust. Lord, I just want to thank you for this day, Lord, and uh, I just want to thank you for this church and their investment in my life, Lord. But I just pray that right now as I open your word, Lord, I just, I just speak what you have for me, Lord, and that you speak through me to the church, Lord, and uh, I just pray that you may give us all open hearts to receive it, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. amen. You may be seated. Now, I want to give a little bit of context as to where we are in this passage, and if we look in the previous chapter, in chapter 11, we see in, uh, from verse 20 on, Jesus is uh, pretty much talking to all the cities that rejected him. And he knew his time was coming to be crucified, 
And he's even talking to the Pharisees and, and how they have seen all that he has done, and yet they still question him and reject him. Now, towards the end of chapter 11, we see Jesus getting ready for what's coming, which is the crucifixion. And he knows what he must do in order to ultimately reach the cross. And that's where we're getting into in chapter 12. So, so after addressing these cities that denied him, we see Jesus walking with his disciples by, by fields of corn. And uh, see that his disciples get hungry and they pluck the corn and begin to eat it. Now, it, w- it wouldn't be necessarily the corn that we're thinking of uh, because it would be more like wheat or barley. And they begin to eat it and eating it according to Deuteronomy chapter 23 they weren't breaking the law because if they hungered, they were allowed to take from a neighbor's field. So they weren't breaking the law by taking the wheat or the barley or the corn, but what the Pharisees were held up on was they did this on the Sabbath. You know, the Pharisees interpreted them plucking the corn as to reap and rubbing the ears as threshing the corn. Therefore, what they did was work, and it was unlawful to do on the Sabbath. Now, if it was any other day, if it was a Monday or a Sunday or a Wednesday, they would have said nothing. But since it was a Sabbath, you know, they were, they were just caught up on that. And, and the Sabbath law, which God meant to be a blessing, became a burden. You know, at this time, uh, many rabbis filled Judaism with elaborate rituals related to the Sabbath and observance of other laws. Now, they had added almost 39 regulations on top of the Sabbath law. Now, ancient rabbis taught that on the Sabbath, this is crazy, on the Sabbath, a man could not carry something in his right hand or in his left hand, across his chest or on his shoulder, but he could carry something with the back of his hand, with his foot, this elbow, or in the ear, on the hair, in the hem of his shirt, or in a shoe or sandal. That's how much they had added on to the law. You know, Clark said this, the Jews were so superstitious concerning the observance of the Sabbath that in their wars with Antiochus Epiphanes and the Romans, they thought it a crime even to attempt to defend themselves on the Sabbath. You know, when their enemies observed this, they deterred their operations to that specific day. And it was through this that Pompey was enabled to take Jerusalem. Now the Jews had added so much onto the law that that God had given them to be a guide that they, they just missed the whole point. So we see Jesus using the same law that they use to teach them. Now Jesus replies to their question with another question. He asks, have ye not read... And I imagine the Pharisees at this point being like, is he talking to us? Like, have we not read? Of course we've read. We, we, we know every single scripture. So who do you think you are, Jesus? We've, we've read all the scripture. So he asks, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And he's, he's talking about in 1 Samuel chapter 21, when David and his men enter the temple and eat the showbread. But David was held blameless for this because he acted out of need and not out of profanity. What what Jesus is pretty much implying here is, 
there's one greater than David here. That's what he's trying to tell them. If David could do it, then that means you can't blame my disciples for doing the same. But secondly, he explains how on every Sabbath, the priests do more work than the rest of the week. You know, the temple ritual always involved work. The kindling of fires, the slaughter, the preparation of animals, and, and this work doubled on the Sabbath because the offerings were doubled. But these things were justified because the priests were doing it in the temple and the sanctity of the service exempted them from the law. So the Pharisees might have wondered when he mentioned that, well, yeah, they're the priests. They can, they can do that. They're doing it for the temple. But how does that exempt your disciples from, from doing this work right now? So to answer the Pharisees, this is what Jesus says. He says, in this place is one greater than the temple. You know, such powerful words that have such a deep meaning. Jesus was the temple symbolized. The temple that they gave such a, an importance to. Here was the one standing before them who had the Godhead dwelling in him. He is the place of sacrifice. Where he stands is holy ground. And any work done in reference to him is worship. You know, these poor followers of Christ could have broken a hundred Sabbath regulations for his sake and yet still be guiltless. But then he doesn't stop there. He then goes on further to say, when we see in verse 8, he says, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. He, he pretty much just opened it up. He just revealed his deity there. And what Jesus is trying to tell them is, hey, listen, it doesn't matter what my disciples do because I am Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. Yeah. They're not breaking a law because they're doing it in regards to me. Right. You know, the, the Pharisees were so focused on keeping the law that they missed the Lord of the law. Yes. And, that, and, and what Jesus wanted to teach them was if you want to follow the law, the law was put in place so that you would in the end, show love and mercy and kindness to others. And they completely missed it. No, they acted as if they were better than everyone around them because they kept the law and the rituals and, and sometimes we even see that they even think they're better than God. Now, Jesus was trying to convey to them that the law was set in place to be a blessing, that they needed to put compassion and love about the, above their ritualism. And we see that the Pharisees didn't want to accept the fact that the disciples could do this because the disciples didn't fit their mold. The, the disciples weren't like them. But when we see the following verses, we see how their hearts really light. Because we see Jesus departs from the field and he goes straight to their synagogue. And it's almost as if Jesus wanted to nail his point deeper into the Pharisees' heart. Now he was like, since you all want to talk about the Sabbath in the temple, why don't we go to the synagogue? And, and, and lo and behold, there's a man there with the withered hand. And yet again, even after this lesson that Jesus taught them, the Pharisees are asking him again, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And I like how Jesus replies because he replies again with a question. 
You know, he, he asks here, what man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? Now, he's pretty much asking them, hey, listen, I, you see this man here, and I'm trying to help him, and you're questioning me whether or not you can help him on the Sabbath, but let me ask you this, what if, what if your animal falls into the pit? Would you just leave it there just because it's a Sabbath day, or would you lift it out? And I, and I imagine that the Pharisees were murmuring under their breath, like, oh, I mean, it's just an animal. I mean, I haven't lifted out. It's not too bad. But what Jesus is pretty much trying to tell them is, you're giving so much compassion and love and importance to an animal over, over a human being. And it's exactly what is happening in our world today. You know, people are starting to give more importance and more love to animals than human beings. You know, that we see all these laws put forward to protecting animals and all of that. And, and I love animals. I grew up with lots of them. I've had at least three dogs since I was born. And I, I believe that animals should be protected. But we've reached a point where people are giving way more importance to animals than to human beings. Like in India, since I'm from there, cows are considered sacred. So much so that even if the militant Hindus think that there is a slight chance that you may be taking the cow to a slaughterhouse, they will stop you and they will kill you. It does not matter to them whether or not what you are doing. If they think that you're going to do it, it doesn't matter. to you. Your life does not matter to them. And we see all these laws put forward that people are getting fined and putting in jail. And, and people are going, giving so much importance to that. And yet we see in this world today the problem of abortion. Yes. Yeah. Why, why aren't more people standing against that? You know, if you touch their dog, they're willing to put you in jail. But apparently killing babies is fine. And... And it's just, it's just crazy how this one passage just opens it up. And, and Jesus said it in that time, but it applies so much to, to us today. You know, the world isn't getting any better. We're living in times where, where animals are treated with more care and respect than people. And Jesus just brought out that issue in front of the Pharisees. Now, he's, he's telling them, you would help your sheep that falls into a pit... But you wouldn't help this man that walked into your synagogue on the Sabbath. You know, he was questioning where their hearts truly lied. But we see their, the Pharisees had their usual response to what Jesus said. And as soon as Jesus was done rebuking the Pharisees, we see that they went out and held counsel against him so that they may destroy him. But Jesus, knowing this, he, he removed himself from the situation. And he didn't remove himself because he was scared or, or didn't have the power or ability to destroy them. But he knew his father's will and what needed to happen. And these Pharisees had their own ideologies that they wanted everyone to conform to. If you didn't fit that mold, then you, they would be against you. You know, Jesus wanted to show the Pharisees that having compassion and love is the ultimate goal, but that didn't work with their thinking. Now, I just want to tell you, there are so many people in this world that look like they have 
the similar thinking to us. You know, many New Age churches, they say they preach the Bible and they stand with us, but when issues arise that we need to stand firm in our beliefs and, and according to the Bible, we see them slowly turn against us. You know, we live in a world if, where if we don't agree with the majority, then the majority stands against us. And that's exactly what we see here. The Pharisees saw that Jesus and his disciples, they didn't fit their mold. They didn't do what they wanted them to do. And as soon as they saw that, we see them turn against him. You know, and I'm thankful for this church because this is a church that hasn't loosened on doctrine or on standards. And I'm thankful that this church hasn't, hasn't gone, gone down the wayside just to include everyone and in everything or just to be accepted. But well, what that means is we're going to make a lot of enemies. Now, the Pharisees did not agree with anything Jesus said, so they wanted to destroy him. And, that, and that's just what happens is if you don't agree with them, and that means they're against you. But Jesus moves on from that situation, and, and it seems that anywhere he goes, he's followed by a great multitude. You know, if I was Jesus, I just came from a field, and I got blamed for my disciples eating corn. And then I go to a synagogue, and I, and I heal a man, and I get blamed for that. And then I move on, and there's a great multitude following me. I would have just been like, dude, I'm just tired. I just want to go to bed. This day has just been too much. But that's not what we see Jesus doing. We see that he heals all of them. Like all this great multitude was following Jesus just so they could get healed. And we don't see Jesus getting frustrated or angry. He just heals them. No, he, he still had compassion on them. And we see an account from Isaiah chapter 42 talking about the Messiah. And we see in verse 20, and, and I, I love this verse because it says, A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. You know, reeds were so abundant, and, and they were just everywhere, so if there was just a bruised reed... People would just throw it away and move on to the next one because there's, there's so much. And, and flax was used as, as wick for oil lamps to light it on fly, fire and, and give a flame. And if there was one that was just smoking and not burning, they would just throw it away and grab a new one. But what Isaiah is saying in his prophecy is he's talking about the Messiah who would not break a bruised reed. Or who would not quench a smoking flax? What he's talking about, he's talking about us. We were the bruised reed. And we were the flax that was just smoking. We were hurt and unusable by, by man's standards. But it doesn't matter to Jesus. He loves us just the same. No, sometimes we may think that we're like the flax that, that isn't providing any light. And we're just, we're just sitting there smoking and we're waiting for somebody to just throw us away, but, but Jesus didn't quench us. He didn't throw us away. He knows that we can be used. You know, it does not matter to Jesus 
what we look like or what we have done or what we're going through. No, he still shows mercy and compassion. You know, you see the Pharisees, they had this, this preconceived idea on how someone should be. They needed to look a certain way. They needed to act a certain way. They just needed to fit into that mold that the Pharisees had created. And if you did not fit that mold, then they were not going to accept or love anyone that, that did that. You know, everything about them was their outward appearance. Earlier on, the disciples picked corn on the Sabbath, and, and you know, that's, that's just wrong according to the law. Well, that was wrong according to the law that the Pharisees had made. And healing a man on the Sabbath, whoa, whoa that's just straight sinful. But if my sheep falls into the pit, I mean, that's not work. I can take it out. You know, they had such a flawed view on what the ultimate goal of following the law was, which was to have mercy and compassion on others. But they couldn't have that because that just doesn't fit their mold. Now, church, sometimes I worry that we act like the Pharisees. You know, we have these preconceived molds that we want people to fit into. And if they don't, then we push them away. Now, are you not talking to or loving on that one person in your life just because they're different and don't fit your mold? Is there that one person at work who you don't want to talk to or invest in because they don't fit with your style? Or do you only hang out with specific people because they're the only ones that work with you? You know, teenagers, do you love people regardless of their background or where they come from or how they look or how they act? Or do you push them away because they just, just don't mix with your crowd? Now, I wonder even if there are any sitting here that, that, have, that have strife and problems with, with each other in the church. You know, you walk in the door and you see them coming through the other door and you walk the other way. You know, during the handshaking time, you see them coming towards you, but you just turn and go, go the other direction. That's not what Jesus wants us to do with our lives. We need to be able to love and, and show compassion and show mercy to, to everyone. But, but I just want to correct this. We also need to be careful on how we treat this. It doesn't mean that we need to start loosening our standards or our doctrines so that we become like the world. That's not what, what God wants. We must stand for what is right according to the word of God. And Jesus doesn't say it's okay to live in sin and continue in that lifestyle. What, what he says is far from that. But we still need to love others. You know, I love this church and, and how you treat visitors and guests and how you make them feel welcome. And that's how it should be. But I just don't want y'all to lose that motivation. You know, once you, once you get used to more new people coming in, and then there, there's that period where, where there's no more visitors coming, are you still going to go out and, and bring more people in, or, or do you just get comfortable where you are? You know, we're, we are to be following Christ, and if we're following Christ, then we treat people how he treated people. And I had this thought, and it's just a sobering thought. What if Jesus only interacted with people that fit his mold? Yeah. 
Have you thought about that? If he decided he only wanted to love people that were the same mold as him, I don't think any of us would even be here. But instead, he accepts people for who they are. And he doesn't just brush past the bruised reed or throw away the smoking flax, but he takes them into him. No, church, don't get to this mindset where we say, I'm only going to love you if you do this. I'm only going to love you if you look this way. Or I'm gonna, only going to love you if you meet all my specific criteria. What God says is, I'm going to love you no matter what. Church, if, you're, if we are to love God's way, then we need to love people regardless of any standard that we may put forward. You know, tonight you may have somebody in your life that you haven't been loving as you should because they just don't meet your standard. Let me tell you, you love the way God does. You know, you may, you may tell me, but, but why do I accept, have to accept him or her? Why do I have to hang out with them? Why do I need to invest in them and love them? Friend, could you imagine if God said the same thing about us? You, know, you need to start loving people because Jesus died on that cross for them as much as he did for us. And that should just motivate us to keep reaching more and more people. You know, you know how we can reach more people? Through love. You know why? Because love works. Now, there are so many people around you that, that just want to be loved and, and cared for. And they just want to know that there's someone there that cares for them. And what we need to do is point them to that one who looks past everything and will love them no matter what. We need to point them to Christ. But if they are to reach Christ, then that's only through us. And I just want to leave you with this question. Are we showing Christ's love through our actions? Or are we just looking for people that fit our mold? I just want all of you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, I just want to thank you for your love towards us, Lord. And I just want to thank you that that it didn't matter the way we looked or the way we acted or, or what our background was or, or what we did, Lord. You loved us regardless of that. And I just ask you, Lord, that, that you may help us to do the same, Lord. To not pre- treat people different just because they don't fit into our mold, but to love them regardless. And I just pray that you may help us to do that as we continue on in our days, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.